Welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Podcast. I'm George Sedano. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you smash the like button and, of course, subscribe to the ESPN LA YouTube page. If you need the audio accompaniment, simple. Just go to the Sedano and Cap show feed wherever you find your podcast. Today, we are joined by two friends of mine. We have Evan Cohen of SiriusXM Mad Dog Sports Radio. He's the morning show host there, Morning Mem. Him, Mike Babchek, and Willie Colon. Uh, you can catch him as well on NBA Radio as well on SiriusXM. And he's also a big wig at our company here, Good Karma Brands. And then we've got Anthony Irwin, Laker blogger extraordinaire and uh, father of two children. Uh, he is a very lucky man. I've met his wife. Um, she, on the other hand, don't know how lucky she is. But nonetheless, he is uh, kicking out, out kicking his coverage. And is, we are kind enough, or he is kind enough to join us uh, regardless, because he always has great takes, great information when it comes to the Lakers and the NBA at large. Uh, gentlemen, how are you? Good. Thanks for having us. I'm doing great. You're just sitting here out, just constantly out kicking coverage. It's just, it's a delightful day. Yes, yes, yes. I, you know, I, since I met the missus, I, I make sure I needed to make sure to throw that in at some point. Uh, <laughs> you know, she's a lovely, a lovely young lady. So, all right, let's talk about our, we were going to do a fake trade show today. And it's funny because I text you guys on Sunday and I want to say that I feel like the basketball gods were uh, watching our texts because shortly thereafter, the Kyrie trade goes down. So I would imagine that the fake trades you guys were coming up with probably had a number of them involving Kyrie. But since we won't have that, let's just discuss Kyrie real quick. We'll get into some fake trades and then we'll just kind of go around the league a little bit. Um, but Anthony, I'll start with you. Just kind of your initial thoughts about Kyrie Dallas and specifically not to the Lakers. Yeah, it was uh, kind of a surprise, honestly, when he first put the request in there, everybody jumped to the conclusion. Oh, it's happening again. LeBron wants him. Uh, the Lakers want, want a superstar. They have been saying all along that if they were going to include both of their picks, it was only going to be for a superstar. That still seems to be their stance too, which is kind of interesting. And we'll get to, I'm sure a little bit later, but yeah, the fact that he isn't the Laker. Um, now, I think the Lakers have been doing a lot of damage control. We've heard that the Lakers have included both of their picks. We heard that the Lakers were willing to obviously move off of Russell Westbrook. Um, they apparently drew a hard line at Max Christie and Austin Reeves, which is an interesting stance. And and then, you know, we also come to find out that Joe Sy was, uh, there was some internal pressure from uh, within Brooklyn that Kyrie was not to be sent to his uh, top, uh, you know, his, his preferred destination. That's the Lakers. So all of the uh, all of the spins so far coming up in favor of Rob Palenka. We've never seen that happen before. <laughs> Sounds like you're skeptical. Evan, what do you think? Oh, no. Uh, well, first of all, I've said many of times, I don't believe Kyrie Irving by good organizations is an employable basketball player. I, I don't. I don't think he's employable. I think the Lakers dodged a major bullet with this. You know, when we can sit there and say, and yes, we've seen the report the majority governor, Joe Sy, that he doesn't want them to go to, they didn't want him to go to the Lakers. The Lakers didn't have the best offer. Like, let's just be yes. honest about that. Right. Like, this is an offer. If you would have told me last week, Kyrie Irving has not asked out. But if you're the Nets, this offer was there. Dorian Finney-Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie, a first and two seconds. Would you make it without him asking out? I would have said yes. I would have made this deal if I were the Nets without him asking out. Why? I still think Kevin Durant asks out after the season, if not now. By the time this pod releases, there's a chance that Kevin Durant's not on the Nets. Like, that's that's a possibility now. Is it a probability? No. So I think the Nets actually got value in return. If you look at their roster, they are now littered with guys that other teams, in theory, are looking for, that everybody's looking for. Three and D defensive kind of wings, right? Dorian Finney-Smith. Royce O'Neal, if you believe anything into Ben Simmons, TJ Warren, like they have guys that are playable around Kevin Durant. So that's the first thing. So from a Nets perspective, I would never employ the guy. He's put them through absolute hell over the last four years. He's played 74 games total with Kevin Durant in the lineup. He misses games literally for city councilman meetings. He, he didn't even go. I mean, think about it. He has ruined every single franchise he's been a part of. He cannot be made happy. You make him the highest paid player, one of the highest paid players. Doesn't matter. You give him the coach he wants, the coach he doesn't want. You put him in the city he wants to be in, the city he doesn't want to be in. It doesn't matter what you give him, he cannot be happy. From a Dallas perspective, I think that that when this trade happened, it signaled to me the beginning of the end of Luka Doncic with the Dallas Mavericks. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. It may not be this season. 
what's going to happen is he's going to be okay enough where the Mavs are going to say, well, let's capitalize on this trade and at least extend him a little bit. And then at some point, inevitably, Kyrie Irving will go wrong. And Kyrie Irving will be Kyrie Irving. And I think that Luca will be so unhappy here in Dallas or in, there in Dallas that ultimately he asks out because that's ultimately what's going to happen with every situation that he's ever been a part of. Why should we assume that Kyrie Irving will treat this situation differently? And I'll say one other thing, and I know I'm in the minority on this one. I look at a guy like Ben Simmons, guys, and I say something's wrong. And I hope that man is okay and that something is going on mentally that he cannot control. I don't look at Kyrie Irving that way. I look at Kyrie Irving as these are all self-inflicted wounds. He completely knows what he's doing, and he blows up every damn situation he's in. Yeah, I I completely disagree in this this regard, Um, and I'd love to hear Anthony's thoughts. Um, Let me ask you a question. I'm going to pin this back on you for a second, and then I'll I'll continue. Do you believe that Kyrie Irving didn't have this personality when he was in Cleveland with LeBron? I believe he had some of it. And I believe some of it was held back the same way. I believe that Antonio Brown was held back a little bit by Mike Tomlin, like did an unbelievable job with that. But ultimately it came out and you're talking about a much younger LeBron James that even without Kyrie Irving still got to the finals, George. Yeah. So my point is this is I don't think, I I don't think this all of a sudden became a thing. The second he left Cleveland, that his personality started to shine. I think that, They just did, and they, I mean, Cleveland and LeBron specifically, did a really good job of managing Kyrie Irving, right? And whatever needs he had to make the team work, because ultimately it made them better. And I do believe that LeBron understood what he was getting into, potentially, if Kyrie Irving ended up on the Los Angeles Lakers. And when you look at it, and you look at the best, the players that LeBron has synced up best with from a game perspective, just on the floor, right? I mean, Kyrie Irving is in that discussion, right? Along with Anthony Davis, who's already on this team. You know, you could talk about Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh too, obviously. But my point is, you know, two of the top four or five guys that he's ever played with in regards to on-court chemistry would have been on the same roster. So I do think that it would have been fruitful for a number of reasons. On the court, I, I don't I don't think it's – I think it's fairly undeniable that it would have worked. Um, but the off-the-court stuff, I think that they just know how to manage – whatever needs Kyrie may have, because they've been through that before. Um, And yeah, he's older, but I think that actually that comes, that experience helps him now that he's older and understands that he kind of needs Kyrie more um, and Anthony Davis more and is willing to lean on those particular guys. So I I actually think the Lakers completely botched this uh, in in a number of ways. Um, And Anthony, you were kind of referring to that. and, and, And I'll ask you that in a second here which is they drew a line at the two uh, young players. Um, Here's what I would also say in regards, and I'm not trying to discredit any reporting or anything of that nature, but I think that phrasing and words matter, right? So the phrasing in the report about Josiah not wanting to trade Kyrie to his preferred destination said one of his objectives was that he didn't want that to be the case. Now, to me, an objective is not an ultimatum, okay? An ultimatum is there is no way in hell we are trading him to the Los Angeles Lakers. If they weren't interested in trading him to the Los Angeles Lakers, then why would they continue to take calls over several days from the Los Angeles Lakers? I don't think that that is good business, number one. Um, And the fact is the Lakers not only tried to do it, according to reports, directly one-on-one, but then tried to involve San Antonio in a three-team deal, But I think both of you are right in regards to this, that at the end of the day, the Lakers couldn't beat the Mavs offer anyway. Dorian Finney-Smith is an elite 3 and D player, okay, which would fit perfectly with Kevin Durant. And Spencer Dinwiddie is kind of, I mean, he's not Kyrie Irving by any stretch of the imagination. Kyrie Irving is an incredible basketball player that has a skill set that's far greater than Spencer Dinwiddie's. But Spencer Dinwiddie gives you enough of the stuff that Kyrie Irving does, a three-level scorer, that you can, you're okay, especially adding the, the, the DFS part, Dorian Finney-Smith. So I actually think Brooklyn is potentially better as a team here moving forward. I like what they did, but I do think the Lakers, for whatever reason, um, you know, couldn't get this thing done. But I think ultimately it's less about this instance because they couldn't beat that offer and more about the way they've done business over going back over a year. Anthony, how do you feel about that? 
Well, it's it's the arbitrary nature of these lines in the sand that they're drawing, right? Like with Teal and Horton Tucker, they didn't want to include him in a trade for uh, Kyle Lowry a, a few seasons ago. And if they make that trade, they never trade for Russ, and they're probably sitting in a very different spot, even with Kyle Lowry having diminished the way that he has in Miami. Uh, the, in this case, they are not willing to include Austin Reeves, and they aren't willing to include Max uh, Christie, two guys who... It would shock me if they finished their careers as Lakers. Like that's just not going to happen. So if you're if you're if you're in on Kyrie and if you're all in on this notion of and and by the way, Evan, I I I, I totally understand the the concerns with Kyrie Irving. The the off court stuff, like yes, it was different in in Cleveland, but that was with Ty Lue. Darvin Ham's a rookie coach. That was with uh it, that was in an organization headed up by David uh, David Griffin. This is with the bus and the Rambi like this is it's a very different situation that he would have been in in L.A. compared to Cleveland. And then, yeah, getting back to the point of if you are going to be trying to acquire Kyrie and if you're trying to do that to get back onto the same page as, as LeBron James is. And, and by the way, like that's why they were doing this. There were people in the organization. It's been reported and I've, I've heard this up and down that there are plenty of people within the Lakers organization who, who dating back years ago were out on Kyrie Irving before the anti-Semitism and all that stuff. Like this is this is somebody who has been radioactive, has been very polarizing within the Lakers' own organization for years. So, yeah, I I, I think if you're just talking about acquiring the guy and being all in on trying to get him drawing the line in the sand at Max Christie and Austin Reeves of all people doesn't make much sense. Christie, especially Reeves fine. Like he's been one of their better players this year. And that's really kind of telling about the season that they've had, <laughs> but uh, Max Christie of all players, the second round pick is the line in the sand. When we, when they just saw what drawing that kind of arbitrary line in the sand did with Taylor Horton Tucker, like that's, that's just like you're saying, George, it's, it's the kind of thing that rubs teams the wrong way. You're getting Kyrie Irving for way less on the dollar than you would normally get this guy for. Yes, for his own reasons, but you still have this opportunity in front of you and you're you're still holding on to the few wins that you have had to this point in your career, Rob Palenka, of these two guys that have outplayed their draft slot or free agent slot, however you want to look at them. Well, Anthony and, and George, I guess there's, there's a couple of different topics within the topic here, right? I'm I'm saying I believe Kyrie Irving is an unemployable person in, in the NBA. Like, I would never employ him to play on my basketball team. I just wouldn't. Once you've made the decision to be willing to employ him, right, like you guys are saying, and you know better than I do, the Lakers have, to then not make a move based on Reeves and Christie obviously seems crazy. That said, I don't believe the Nets were ever going to do that move because it's just not better than the Mavericks move. Yes, Whether sure. The yeah. Lakers right. or the also Knicks fair. or any team that they would say, oh, it's off limits. If the New York Knicks or Los Angeles Lakers, let's say those are the two teams that the Nets as an organization said, we really don't want to trade them to. If their offer was significantly better than yeah. that of the Mavs, I think at this point, that guy Kyrie Irving put them in a position where they would just say, screw it, get the best offer. Now, by the way, there's also another element to all of this. As we are talking... There's an interview that airs on NBA Today on ESPN with Malika Andrews. And this this interview, I think, was done specifically by Michael Wilbon, where LeBron said about the Lakers' inability to trade for Kyrie Irving, quote, I can't sit here and say I'm not disappointed in not being able to land such a talented player that can help you win championships. But my focus has shifted now. Let me ask you two a question on this. How would you feel if you were Russell Westbrook? You, you, Russell Westbrook has not been a good fit with the Lakers. Russell Westbrook has had really bad moments with the Lakers. The one thing about Russell Westbrook, that that dude tries harder than anyone. Like, as Tim Legler always says, well, has, I guess in the past, had tried harder than anyone. Yeah, sorry, I, I don't have a good poker face. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> he, he, he leaves skin on the floor. That's what Legs always says about him. I'm sure he said it uh -huh. to you, George. He said it to me on NBA radio. I, I just don't understand how the rest of the team operates now around LeBron when he is so public about this. And I know you can say, well, they've all let him down. But the organizationally now, going back to what you two are saying, they are really in a pickle because now they have to make a move and they may have to give up these picks for somebody that may not be as good as the guys you guys want them to go get. Go ahead, Anthony. You can go. Well, they're, they had to make a move regardless. They're not even in the play-in. So that doesn't really change anything, I don't think. And like as it pertains to Russell Westbrook, 
Um, I think he has said multiple times that, you know, the trade rumors don't affect him and stuff. And I think to a certain extent, like as a human being, that's always going to affect you, especially if the comparison here is Russell Westbrook to Kyrie Irving and Kyrie Irving is never available. Russell Westbrook to his credit is always available almost too often uh, to be completely honest, but, <laughs> but, but, but it, I think um, the, 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 the way that the Lakers are going to move forward here, I don't think necessarily changes all that much because whether it was Kyrie Irving or whether it was going to be Boyan Bogdanovich or, or some of the other players that we are going to talk about here in a little bit, uh, they had to make a move. They had to do something. And, and I think everybody just kind of recognizes, even if we don't want to talk about Russell Westbrook, the player who I have several questions about, you know, in, in that sense too, but Russell Westbrook, the contract makes it impossible for the Lakers to reach the ceiling that they want to $47 million uh, that, that goes to essentially a bench player who you don't really feel that comfortable with in, in clutch moments. That's impossible to overcome in a capped league. So uh, I, I think the writing has been on the wall there ever since he first got there. I think to their credit, LeBron and Russell Westbrook statistically are playing significantly better this year than last year. And I think Darvin hand deserves some credit on that. But even still, I kind of look at it like the last chapter of a bad relationship where it's like, all right, we had one final good date. We, 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 we both got, we even agreed to split the check. Like, this is fantastic. Let's just, let's not go home and remind each other why we didn't like each other in the first place. Let's just split up. Let's go our separate ways yeah. and we'll wish each other all the best. And I think that's, that's still kind of the end game here, whether it was going to be for Kyrie Irving or if it's going to be for multiple players here down the line. Yeah, and I would agree with that. I would just add that, um, look, LeBron has been fairly vocal this season, Evan, as I'm sure you've seen uh, multiple times about the lack of playmakers on the roster and the lack of continuity on the roster and chemistry on the roster. So if you're Russell Westbrook, how is this really any different than the stuff that he said all season long, you know? <laughs> you're right, George, you're right. I just there, there is a moment where I just am taking a step back and I'm thinking, so LeBron James is publicly complaining about the, the Lakers not getting rid of the guy he got them for the guy that got rid of him. Well, he, here's what I would say to that. And there's a, obviously say like in general, if you no, no, I, I got you. But I mean, I don't want to relitigate the past a million times over. But this is what my position on that has been. Does LeBron James have a level of culpability with Russell Westbrook being on this roster initially? No question, okay? But this is where, and Anthony and I have had this conversation on his podcast before, where it's, there is a level of, I, I guess, accountability is the word I'm looking for when it comes to being someone who runs an organization. And if your star comes to you and says, hey, this is what I want to do. And I don't know if that's how it actually happened. None of us really know, right? Only the people there know. But let's just say for argument's sake that LeBron did come to them and say, Russell Westbrook, here's a list of guys, but I really want Russell Westbrook. If you're Rob Palenka and the front office and the ownership group, you need to huddle up and say, okay, LeBron, let's talk this out a little bit and let's figure out if this makes sense. Because everyone in the world immediately screamed, this is not going to work. Um, and... So at yeah. some point, I know that the reaction is, well, we're we're not going to listen to the media or fans or whatever. And I get it because more times than not, particularly when it comes to fans, uh, the saying is, if you listen to the fans, you may join them and be one of them, right? Like, but they they made the this move. And at some point, a basketball person in the building needs to say, yeah, I don't think that's going to work and be willing to push back and give reasons, basketball reasons as to why it may not work and have that dialogue. So nobody tied anybody up and uh, threatened their life to pick up the phone and call Tommy Shepard and make that deal with the Washington Wizards. You know what I mean? Like, Well, and, and you also look at the kinds of players that Rob Palenka has acquired since, and Russell Westbrook very much fits the type. Like, he fits the prototype of bucket getter that Rob Palenka wants. And, like, even on that, uh, like, the very same organization once told Kobe – no, we are not going to trade Andrew Bynum for Jason Kidd. And Kobe freaked out, right? Said he wanted to play on Pluto, had that that infamous video in in, in the parking lot of a mall. Yeah. Um, and, and the fact that they didn't make that trade lined them up for championships, plural. And and I think for, for like LeBron, 
his own he's his own worst kind of enemy as as a GM. He his instinct is he goes through an entire season of carrying a team. He gets to the end of that season and he says, that sucked. I need more help in the backcourt. But really, the way that you alleviate pressure off of LeBron is through shooting. It's through, you know, other guys. Which the Lakers have done a terrible job of. Awful. Pretty much the entire time he's been there, they got really hot in the bubble. But remember that year going into it, they were only 22nd in the league in three-point shooting. Right. Yeah. Right. And and everybody's shooting went way up in the bubble. Like the, that wasn't the, the bubble in, in that respect, you know, everybody's shooting went way up. But for the Lakers, especially <laughs> can, you had Rondo shooting 45 percent. You had KCP yeah. shooting like 50 percent. It was even AD was shooting 40 percent in, yeah. in the bubble it was insane. Um, but yeah, I, I think I, LeBron, his culpability in it, I, I, I think. Obviously, he made he and AD met with Russell Westbrook. They did talk it out. And as a result of that conversation, he goes back to Rob Polinka. They do make the trade. But I also don't think and I have heard from multiple people involved with that that decision that that was in no way, shape or form them tying Rob Polinka down like impersonating him on the phone to Adam Silver (laughs) and, and, and calling in a trade. To yeah. get that done, that isn't how that how that went down, and and the other thing too, the last thing I guess on 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 that front because we're litigating it, it this far afterwards is 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 kind of pointless. But the only person who seems to have addressed the fact that it hasn't worked worked is LeBron. Right, that's it. Like right. he's the only he's the only adult in the room who, who said this isn't working. This just, this, this partnership, this isn't working. Let's try to move forward here. And the only people who haven't are the people responsible for doing that and actually pushing those buttons. And until they're willing to do that, like the Lakers are just going to be stuck in this turf warfare that they have between clutch and the bus group. Right. And, And the problem is this now is that you've got, what is it? Three more days to move that $47 million contract. Cause here's where it gets complicated, Evan is that Rob Palinka has already publicly committed to Rui Hachimura for next season, right? So now what you had in, let's say, I don't know, 30 to 35 million potentially in cap space now has been shrunk by a percentage, right? You're probably looking at at least $10 million for Rui Hachimura next year. So now all of a sudden you're down to 20 or 25. Is that going to get you Kyrie Irving next year if he does test free agency or anyone for that matter? Forget about Kyrie Irving now. Like now you have to commit to finding a way to move Russ's contract because you have Russ's contract, Pat Beverly's contract, and Lonnie Walker's expiring contract, which is approximately $65 million. And Evan, you are my uh, resident uh, capologist in our emails back and forth as we do our trade machine variations on a daily basis. Like you of all people understand that now they are pot committed. They have to move Russell Westbrook. Okay, so here's the untold part of this, and I'm glad Anthony's here for this, covering the Lakers and like you do. I think the Lakers have actually let let's leave the Kyrie stuff to the side now. None of us are ever going to agree. You guys right. just kicked Ron's yeah. fanny for ten minutes, and I was ready to vomit. Anyway, so, so the, re- the reality is, the reality is, let's eliminate Russell Westbrook's contract for one second. Let's also eliminate Rui Hachimura for a second, who you guys have said they're going to want to bring back as they should. Let's also eliminate Dennis Schroeder, who won a one year league minimum deal is well worth it and there's no reason to want to move off of him right are we in agreement so far that just leave those okay now if you look at the lakers and you take troy brown jr juan toscano anderson thomas bryan who i know has been very good wendon gabriel lonnie walker and patrick beverly that is approximately 26.8 million dollars of expiring contracts anthony you said before the lakers desperately need shooting i think the lakers before Thursday, should try to find teams to pay them off to take on shooting. What do I mean by that? Duncan Robinson with Miami. Davis Bertans with the Mavs. So I know the both teams are strapped for picks. But let's play this out conceptually. Why not, instead of, go, instead of making the call for Zach Levine right now, because they don't want to get the two first-rounders off of their, their, their docket long-term, why not try to get one to two more first-rounders off of guys, teams getting expiring deals that could actually help the team and then dumping bad salary on you. Because in theory, play this out. You give Miami, a team that I am a fan of and I am familiar with, okay? You give Miami, conceptually, Lonnie Walker and Patrick Beverly 
and you take back Duncan Robinson in a first-round pick. Duncan Robinson healthy around LeBron James and Anthony Davis would actually help, okay? A, a third first-round pick now gives you the option that if the Bulls are saying, no, no, we want uh, – use them as hypothetical. We want both first-rounders for Russ, and we'll give you Levine for Russ. Well, now you still have one more left, and you have shooting, and you have all these guys now around LeBron. There's, there's so, another way of doing this with your so, life. So th I agree with that. That's interesting mm -hmm. as well, because now all of a sudden you're basically trading the two first round picks and Russ and, and those expirings of Walker and Beverly, and you're getting Zach Levine and you're getting shooting in, in this particular case, whether it's Duncan Robinson, Davis Bertans, whatever, whatever shooter you want to name in that. Scenario. On a bad contract. That's the key. It has to right because you have to incent the team would have to incentivize you to take that contract so they would give up another first rounder. I I actually don't think that's that's a terrible idea. Well, the 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 only issue with that the hiccup in that plan is that involves Genie Bus paying taxes, and that is not something that the luxury taxes she is not uh, she has not seemed inclined to pay them. Actually, there's a report out right now from Kyle Goon of the Southern California News Group that is saying that one of the things that the Lakers have been saying in their meetings across the league has been, hey, we got to keep our cap, you know, we got we have to keep our tax sheet relatively night to avoid the repeater tax next season. So uh, I agree 100%, Evan, that the, the Lakers are in this weird spot where they aren't good enough to where you definitively say they are buyers, right? They don't have the assets to be buyers, as we just saw with the Kyrie Irving situation. And and they and they're bad enough to where you should say, well, all right, you're bad. Sell off pieces and get back assets and see if you can retool. Um, problem is you can't do that with LeBron. So yeah, the stuff that you're talking about, bringing in shooting on bad contracts and stuff, absolutely. I, I would 100 percent be okay with that if if especially, you know, if it means also having an asset for moving Russell Westbrook and getting more back for him or whatever. Um, I, I just don't know that the Lakers at this stage are really willing to do that because of luxury tax implications. As ridiculous as it is that the Lakers, an organization that prints money the way that they do, is worried about said tax implications. Well, okay, so the luxury tax you're saying moving forward, because this year that would save them money. This hypothetical that I'm bringing up would actually save mm -hmm. them right now. It would just put them on the books for contracts like Levine's, or Robinson or Bertans or whoever you want to throw out there that you could put in there. So it would be long-term, but yeah. it's also past where LeBron is up, if I'm not mistaken. So like there's yes. ways, you, listen, you're right, Anthony, in what you're saying, but the irony is this hypothetical that I'm bringing up would actually save them money this year and potentially get them better. I just think that we're all talking about what they can do with Russ. I would first start off by saying, Whose bad deal can they take on to get paid off to do it to give them more flexibility moving forward? And more ammunition. Yeah. More ammunition. Right. Because if they had, hear me out, if they had four first round picks from now until 2029, the trading of the 27 and 29 would be irrelevant for them. They wouldn't care. They've just gotten rid of all the other ones to get Anthony Davis, who provided a championship for them. Right. So, and, and by the way, I also understand why they're saying, well, we don't want to give up 27 and 29 because well, should we really go all in for LeBron right now? And we don't know if he can win a championship, but based on that concept alone, maybe you shouldn't have signed him for the next two years then. Right. And, and I know that sounds ridiculous, but it's like they're caught in between right now with, uh, are we, are we all in? Are we not all in? Should we save stuff? Should we not save stuff? And we've heard about these, these 27 and 29, have become that pick with the, the uh, ironically, the Kyrie Irving Cavs Celtics deal, that Nets pick that the Cavs had for all those times with LeBron, right? It's become the new version of that. But I think there are moves to be made for the Lakers because I don't think enough, just like we didn't, at least nationally, I didn't talk enough about all the second rounders the Lakers have, which obviously got them Hachimura. I don't think we talk enough about the expiring players that aren't actually relevant to their winning. Yeah, they they have. I, there are several avenues. Like the, at the beginning of the season, they should have traded Russ and and the picks for Miles Turner and Buddy Hield, and they'd be they'd be. I would imagine in the playoffs, if not having a home court type of series in the first round. Um, it's just it's always been the way that the Lakers operate just keeps on smashing up against the more logical things that they need to do here. Uh, they want to be a cheap team, and that makes it hard to take back long-term money 
if if the thing that you're worried about is a repeater tax. So like, yeah, they would avoid they would they would, you know, lessen their books. They would lighten their books this year. But that repeater tax is the thing that they're worried about. And that doesn't really affect that. And and with, you know, this idea of selling off pieces or not signing LeBron, like not signing LeBron. Totally. I, hell, you could probably say that LeBron's probably regretting signing the, the thing too, seeing as how reluctant uh, Rob Polinka has been to add talents around him if it costs him those 27 and 29 picks. There's all kinds of stuff that keeps on conflicting up against each other. And for the, for a Lakers organization that like, it used to be kind of synonymous with solid leadership, right? It was Dr. Buss and it was Jerry West. And then eventually it became Mitch Kupchak. And Mitch Kupchak, I think, eventually got aged out. I think the league evolved to a place beyond yeah. him. But but like right now... Hornets, but yes, keep going. <laughs> right, right. Well, I, yeah, the, the, the Hornets, who were just a, a, a stable I organization. It's funny that you say that. He actually yeah. is employed as a GM currently. But yeah. Yes. yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think, I think like the, the, the Lakers right now, like the thing that I just keep on running into in, in covering this team and the way that I do and talking to people, not just specifically about the Lakers, but people who cover other teams who work with other teams, asking them, what's the process that goes into making any decision here for the Lakers. And nobody has any idea. Yep. <laughs> and and well, so me, like, that's, that's why like, Anthony, let me ask you, you and George something though. Cause mm-hmm. again, I'm fascinated by this, right? This is the, the most relevant team, arguably in the entire, not arguably it's the most relevant team in the sport, right? You guys are both like saying here, they're, they're literally and figuratively on the clock. Like they have to do something with Westbrook in your minds by Thursday. They just have to figure out a way of doing something. So yes. now as we sit here on a, a few days before the deadline, what do you actually think they're going to do? Um, I, I think that if I had to guess, I think it's more likely they do a marginal move with like a, like Pat Bev's contract or something like that. I, I don't, I think that they're going to the find the, States. what's that? West I think West Russ States. ends up staying not because of only because they don't want, they're going to draw the line right at the picks or the players or whatever. We've seen that already. And I think they're just going to let this thing play out, which I think would be again, a huge mistake because now they've cut into their, they don't have the cap space. So, um, I, but I, if I had to guess just based on the way things have played out historically, that, uh, I, I feel like they bungle this thing potentially. He's going to retire a Laker. Like <laughs> at this rate, at this rate, he's just going to be there forever. Um, but I think I, if I had to, if I had to guess, I, so either they, either they move, Patrick Beverly and Lonnie Walker or whatever, and some of those marginal trades. Um, or I think like there was a report that came out a few days ago from Eric Pincus, the bleacher report that said that the, there are people within the organization who are worried about Russell Westbrook in a playoff situation um, to which I would say you didn't guard Russell Westbrook in a playoff series in one because of that. But, but regardless, um, I, I, what's that? They're also not in the playoffs, so you don't have to worry. Well, yeah, right. You don't have to worry about something that you yeah. a bridge that you're not going to cross. But I, I think um, when that came out, though, that kind of that was a red flag. That was the first time that the Lakers have ever made it known organizationally that oh, this is not working because they have tried to you know they they've thrown their weight behind him as a six man candidate this year. They have tried to you know they hired Darvin Ham in large part because he said he could get more out of Russell Westbrook, and that was what they sold fans on when they hired Darvin Ham. Like it, it which by the state- way, I feel like you mentioned this earlier. He deserves some credit. He has done better than mm-hmm. than what I expected for sure. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I think there's some good and some bad. I think he relies too heavily on too many guards. But oh no that, no, but I'm talking about they specifically, have like 37 guards specifically yeah. to the Russ situation. I think yeah, the fact absolutely. that he got him to buy into the bench stuff is more so than. And I like Frank Vogel. I feel like Frank Vogel was scapegoated, but I feel like Darvin just accomplishing that has been um, more than I expected this season. Frank wouldn't even try that. He was he was afraid he would lose Russ as soon as he even tried to to broach the subject with him. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think uh, with with what the Lakers can do here moving forward, them voicing that opinion out loud and having that, you know, get out of the organization told me that, okay, they, they finally see the writing on the wall here. They know that they kind of have to move him and that happening right before the Kyrie stuff. Like everybody started focusing on the Kyrie stuff, but I, I actually think now, and maybe this is just me 
um, you know, running up to kick the football that Lu- Lucy pulls away all over again. <laughs> but I, I do think that they are going to move Russ. I, I hope I, so. Yeah. I, I think it, it would they, be, they, it would be, listen, it would be malpractice if yeah. they didn't move Russ. Cap wise. Like yeah. Evan, you know, you know, the cap as well as anybody, if they, if they just let Russ's contract expire and they try to do that for cap space, not only are you talking about the 15 or so million that you would only have because you have Rui Hachimura, but even like the 30 number that was being floated out there before that isn't enough to sign Kyrie Irving. He was, he just quit on Kevin Durant, his best friend, because they wouldn't pay him $40 million over, right. over you know, right. five years. And then we also should point out, Anthony, the Rui thing is is understandably assumptive by us, right? Mm-hmm. They could theoretically renounce his rights. Oh, yeah, totally. Move a cap hold and have that space if they wanted. But then you just gave three second round picks away for a rental for no playoffs, which is an odd move altogether. Unless yeah. there is a player that, you know, you, you're fitting Kevin Durant under that, which that's a different story, obviously. I just, right. I, I don't know. I like I look around the league right now and I think about like, what teams am I waiting for? Like I've had this this conversation on NBA radio before. We're waiting for the Raptors, right? We're waiting for the Bulls. I think there are some other teams that we could look around and say, are we waiting for them to make decisions? The Lakers are on that list. The, the Trailblazers are on that list of a team that I'm waiting for to see where they go. I still don't think it's impossible for Indiana to make similar moves to what they were rumored to make. Because remember, just because Miles Turner received his his increase in extension. He's still trade eligible. He mm-hmm. just trade eligible at a higher number, right? So there are some teams that I'm still waiting for. I don't know that any of them specifically apply to the Lakers, though. That's the thing. The Bulls maybe, but if we're doing it as a- an application to the Lakers, I don't know which ones of these teams. Now Charlotte's the one, and San Antonio maybe you look at, and you know you look at, at the idea of Russ and Pat Bev and a first rounder maybe for Hayward and Rozier. That probably makes the Lakers a little better, but is it? Does anyone care? I mean, I know everybody cares about the Lakers. Don't get me wrong. I mean, does it? Does it really? Does it move the needle? Yeah, probably mm-hmm. not. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, I, and again, I, you can't count on Hayward's availability either. You know, the the team that I have my eye on is actually the Jazz. Um, and the Lakers are, uh, yes. and the Jazz right now are, are actually having conversations about a Russell Westbrook trade. We know that Danny Ainge loves to take advantage of desperate teams. The Lakers are very much a desperate team. So I just mathematically speaking, uh, Russ for Conley, Beasley and Vanderbilt works mathematically. Uh, and I don't know if the Lakers would in, uh, include both of their picks. I'm, I would think that a, an un, unprotected is the important one here. An unprotected first rounder and multiple second rounders here, I think eventually would would at least, you know, start a conversation to where you can get into the minutiae afterward. Um, I, I think, and by the way, remember Pat Beverly cannot be traded to Utah um, because he was on their team at the start of the league year, <laughs> which is so funny. The whole thing. Wait, I'm telling you, that's both. That's both. I, I think I, I, I could understand why Utah would hold out for both, but I think for Danny Ainge, he, like, he really wants one of those post LeBron picks. Like he desperately, like, it's his Brooklyn all over again, where. Yeah. Where as soon as as soon as he sent them uh, KG and Pierce and I, I think that was it right or did he, I don't think he sent Allen too but no no um, those two yeah when when he sent KG and Pierce there and he knew that he had in his back pocket five years or so of waiting for that pick to 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 actually you know come to come to fruition I think he wants that situation here again so I think getting at least one if it costs both I think if you can heavily protect the second one I would here. do it. Anthony, you got to stop with the F. Here's why, okay? As mm-hmm. a Heat fan, Miami would give you a first rounder and Dwayne Dedman right now for Jared Vanderbilt. Not think twice about it. Those contracts match yeah. up easy. You don't think so, Drew? Oh, you're no, absolutely no chance. They would. No absolutely chance. they would. No chance. Absolutely. No, I, I, no, I'm telling you, zero chance. I think Jared Vanderbilt and you love Jared is, Vanderbilt. I get it, but they either are not giving up a first. There's a lot to pick. like. There's a yeah. lot to like. Okay, yeah, but he, they're uh, not doing Malik that. That's Beasley. Not true. Malik Beasley on a good team gets you a first round pick. Malik Beasley. Now I will say this. I was just going to jump in and say the Knicks are interested in Malik Beasley too. So I think that there's um, something to be said about that and perhaps Jared Vanderbilt. But I know that there's some interest uh, in regards to Beasley, at least from what I've been told. And there's been some other reporting on that too, if I recall correctly. Okay, so then do it this way. George, if you want to fight off the Vanderbilt, fine, but then do it this way. Vanderbilt and Conley. Does that get you? Does the team give up a first round pick? Yes. Okay. Yeah. 
And if you're saying Beasley, you think the Knicks would, who have a million picks, right? There's your two right there. So yeah, no, I, I, I do think that it would probably take the two picks because now you're under the gun, basically. You're under the you're under the microscope um, and time is ticking and is of the essence at that point. But um, yeah, look, so I guess, Anthony, that is your fake trade. The uh, the, the Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, um, uh, Mike Conley trade. Yeah, I yeah, I guess if we only get to pick one, I had no, no, you can have Chris more than Paul one. I, you, I, OK, you know, it's fine. But yeah, I, I think I think of of the teams. Like I do think the the going back and seeing if you could talk to Indiana about Turner and healed again, I think that still has the highest upside of of any of the deals that the Lakers could potentially make here. I think it has much higher upside here than than taking on Conley at, at this stage of his career. Vanderbilt's still kind of a project. Beasley fits incredibly well though next to next to LeBron. Um, but but I think it, for for the Lakers, I I do think that. You know, everybody now is finally acknowledging and has acknowledged Russ has to go. And that was the case before Kyrie. It just so happened that a superstar became available that they would like to have, you know, made that trade for. I think now, given given that that uh, Russ and LeBron, they, they haven't really meshed off of the court from from what I've heard. Like they, uh, you know, they, they have played better this year so far, but their personalities don't quite fit. There's a great video that the Lakers sent out where LeBron says, all right, everybody, let's get greedy. We're going to go out there and we're going to go on this run. And then Russ like chimes in, <laughs> cuts him off and says, everybody have fun. Let's just go <laughs> participation trophies for everybody. And it was just like LeBron's face when he says, it's like this guy, what the hell? And so I, I, I really think at this stage of, of that relationship, the relationship between Russ and the organization, the relationship with Russ and Darvin Ham too, that I, I think everybody now is is ready to move off of them. I I, I hope anyway. Yeah. Uh, all right, Evan, give me your best fake trade. Well, I, I kept it to – okay, so here's what I tried to do. I tried to come up with two Lakers-related ones, obviously. Okay. And I tried to do it of things that haven't been talked about, nobody's discussing, and trying to be creative. And that's not a reporting it. That's like – let me just pitch to this to these guys, right? I gave you the Duncan Robinson, Davis Bertans concept earlier, right? The idea of taking on money. All right. This is a team I haven't heard mentioned at all. I'm going to throw it out there. I think you're going to have to give at least one first round pick. Well, no, definitely one just to make this happen. Probably not the second one. You ready? Here we go. Yeah. Russell Westbrook to the magic for Jonathan Isaac, Gary Harris, and Mo Bamba. Huh. I don't I don't dislike it. Um Gary Harris gives you instant shooting, um, can defend. Um, he's been shooting much better of late specifically. Uh obviously they've been trying to get off Bamba forever. And I think Isaac still has plenty of upside. He just needs he's just gonna have to kind of shake off the rust and and have the ability to play. And maybe that's not a this season play, but I think that's a low risk, high reward move potentially. But again, that's more hey you know, that can help you next year. I don't know how much that helps you this well, year. It, so uh, remember, Isaac's partially guaranteed for next year. And Bamba and Harris are not are non-guaranteed. So it actually could get you off of some money. And as you said, you take a flyer on some of these guys and like maybe they're good. None of them will play for the Magic at all. And Russ probably doesn't even have to be bought out by the Magic. It could literally just be like fun for them to have for half a season and then go somewhere else. I don't know. Anthony, I just tried to come up with a different one that hasn't been mentioned there. Yeah, I I like the idea. Gary Harris has always made a ton of sense. Like he's just he he he's too good to be in Orlando. And Mo Bamba seems to have been kind of his, his there's too much overlap between him and Bol Bol, so I think that's something there. I it's a fun one. The Lakers, I know um they've been trying to trade for Terrence Ross for like five years now. So, <laughs> so like, I'm still, I, I still imagine... with the magic, to be honest with you, everybody has tried. I, I feel like <laughs> I, I think he's finally going to get bought out this year, but I, I don't know who knows. Um, but I, I like it. My, my trade. Um, I had a little bit of fun here seeing is the, the sun's reportedly included Chris Paul in a Kyrie trade. I mm. wanted to see what would happen there. So uh, the Lakers are sending Russell Westbrook to San Antonio Russ and a pick um, goes to San Antonio and then a pick also goes to Phoenix. Phoenix sends Chris Paul to the Lakers. They get uh, Josh Richardson and Jakob Pertle and Russ goes to San Antonio. See, I like that one too. Um, although David Stern probably rolling over in his grave. No, he's finally a Laker. <laughs> he's never allowed to. Yeah. Um, and 
you know, I think Chris, um, he, he certainly looks like he's not the same Chris at the moment, um, but he's had some bursts, right? Like he's had some games where I feel like he's played like Chris Paul. Um, playing next to LeBron, could that help? Um, he's not, he's, he's been a bit of a reluctant shooter, I feel like this year. And I've had yeah. them six or seven times this year on sidelines. Um, but it doesn't mean that they LeBron can't get the best out of him there. Uh, clearly you have another guy. You don't have to worry about the ball handling and things of that nature when LeBron is out. Uh, Richardson is a nice three and D player and Pirtle actually, um, would be, I think really helpful for them. Um, particularly because I don't know if you can trust Thomas Bryant, um, when AD's out, um, because he can't <laughs> defend anybody, right? Like he's, he's yeah. a good offensive player, but he can't defend anyone. So, uh, I kind of like that one too. What do you think, Evan? Yeah, I mean, I've been I've been trying to get CP3 to the Lakers for a while now. Um, so I definitely am in so on that. So who's LeBron? Yeah, <laughs> oh, I, know. I, I pitched. I don't even remember which one I pitched you earlier this season. I, as George on that, I, I was I wanted to bring up one other one. I'm just throwing this out there. You guys, again, I'm gonna I'm gonna emphasize what you guys have said. Malpractice if they don't move on from Russell Westbrook this week because it, it's not like for anybody who's listening, and I assume anybody who's listening to Sedano knows this, but it's not like 47 is just empty this summer for them to play with as a result. Would you roll the dice on a Ben Simmons deal? Mm, I would not. Man, that's that's tough. I I don't think Kevin Durant – like, if that move happened, Kevin Durant wouldn't be in Brooklyn. I, 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 I don't think Kevin Durant wants to play with Russell Westbrook all over again. Yeah. I, I think if, if Ben Simmons – is going to figure it out right it would be in that kind of in a spot where they don't necessarily need him and and i think uh if ben simmons was was there and decided to show up twice a week as as he has seemed to want to in brooklyn i think you could maybe do that in in la um i i just don't know if lebron has the patience for that i yeah He's he one of my favorite moments of LeBron's tenure in L.A. He had just gotten there and he was being asked on Spectrum, which is, you know, the the, the Lakers corporate partner there. And and uh, he's on there. Allie Clifton was it was like her first day um, working for Spectrum. And LeBron says he in response to a question about playing with the kids and watching Lonzo and Ingram and all those guys grow up. Um, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> time out. Is this the one about the music? Uh, no, I, no, it was, so it was, it was LeBron gets asked about like watching these kids grow up and he goes, you know, one thing about me is I'm patient and Allie Clifton just busts up laughing. She's been, she's been covering him since back in Cleveland, right? She knows right. him about as well as anybody. She just busts up laughing and calls him on it immediately. And even he was like, yeah, fair. <laughs> so I think as soon as Ben Simmons just like has a wide open dunk that he doesn't take, I think LeBron's just saying, Go home. Get out of here. Yeah. We're done. Yeah. I, and LeBron has got give you a non-Laker one, George. Yeah. Le, let me just finish there. Uh, LeBron, I, I agree with Anthony. Um, I, I Kevin Durant left Oklahoma City for a reason, right? Like, let you know, I think that's fairly obvious. And I just don't think that um I think LeBron, as he's gotten older, like a, a lot of us, right? We have less and less patience, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> just and uh and but I thought what you were gonna say, Anthony, was when he said something like, Yeah, you know. I've got some stuff in common with these young guys. You know, they 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 like a lot of the same stuff my kids like, uh, which I felt like was his first senior moment. Um, yeah. But yeah, so yeah, I, I don't I don't love that one at all. But uh, Evan, all right, what do you got? Non Laker, give it to me. Okay, so this is a weird one, but it's it's based on a couple of things. One based on when the Mavs made this move uh, on Sunday, there was a lot of conversation of they're not done, and factor into. You didn't say it this way. These are my words. You alluded to it. Kyrie needs a babysitter, okay? And I understand that that maybe these two weren't best of friends, but Kevin Love for Tim Hardaway Jr. and Christian Wood. Mavs get a lot of expiring contracts now. No Cavs get a wing and a, another backup big. Kevin Love's out of the rotation. Kevin Love is not a, a, a very good basketball player anymore. I've watched a lot of Cavs games this year. He's just not that dude anymore. Last year was his last hurrah. Um, although I don't love Christian Woods fit perfectly. Their offense is great. Their defense is is atrocious when he's on the floor. Um, but 
Yeah, I, I I don't. And and I know that they they may look, they've dangled Tim Hardaway Jr. a bunch of times. I just yeah, no, I don't I don't see that one. All right, I got one more. Okay. For All now. right, let's go. All right, this is a wild one. Straight up, no picks, no additional people. Michael Porter Jr. to the Bulls for DeMar DeRozan. Okay, so let me see what the Nuggets look like after that. So all of a sudden, the Nuggets are Jamal Murray and DeMar DeRozan in the backcourt, right? Then you have, um, or or no, you would have DeMar DeRozan at the three, right? Because KCP is the starting backcourt. You have Aaron Gordon and Nikola Jokic. Do they have enough three-point shooting? Murray, yeah, KCP, Bruce Brown. I just worry about... Yeah, and Jokic obviously can shoot it. I mean, maybe, maybe. I'm not worth the risk for everybody involved. The Bulls are taking on years, but like that's a potential guy to build around. The Nuggets are obviously win now. Gordon, we know, can play a four. DeRozan can play a four. Small DeRozan can play small ball four. Gordon can play a small ball five if need be. Well, he's more versatile, right? In the sense of like, I just worry about the lack of spacing. Um, always with DeMar DeRozan. Anthony, what do you think? I think DeMar DeRozan's cutting next to Jokic would be really fun. Uh, DeMar DeRozan is is a really underrated cutter. Everybody kind of thinks of him as an ISO oh, yeah. pull-up-at-the-elbow guy. But um, his ability, and I think he has really good instincts as far as, as you know, playing off of the ball. Um, I, I, I would, my only thing is I think Denver would consider that selling low on MPJ, even given that he's had multiple back surgeries in the last few years. Uh, he, he's one of the best shooters in the league. And um, when he's right, he's a weapon that is almost impossible to match up with. Uh, I I like it. I, I wonder if they would. I actually think if you're talking Bulls and Nuggets potential swaps, uh, if the Nuggets get somebody like Caruso, I, I don't know what anybody does with them in the playoffs. They're, they would be insane defensively and, and all of that. I have one last one, though. And by the way, they've already I know they're in the in the lower third defensively overall. But over the last six weeks, they've been in the upper third um, uh, yeah. in, on defense. So they're starting to trend in the right direction there. I, I just think a, a Murray Caruso backcourt would be so fun. And I think Caruso costs less than like literally costs less than. Right. Than, and you still uh, have KCP and Bruce Brown that can help mm-hmm. you as well. Right. Yeah. But is anybody going to be able to top the hypothetical of the Wiseman for Caruso package that seemingly is out there? I I think Wiseman is Hashim to beat all over again. So I I I worth I, the I, risk for a team that's going nowhere though, don't you think? Yeah, I, I yeah. I, I, Caruso, it's a lottery ticket. You're using Caruso as a lottery a lottery ticket there. So in terms of actual caliber of player that you'd be getting back, you're probably not getting much better than that in terms of upside. But the downside, I don't think he. I I, I don't know if he is going to last past not not the contract after this one. But the one after that, I don't think he's going to be in the NBA for very long. Um, wow. here, here's what I would say, because I was just in Golden State. I think they are. I think they understand they need another player and it doesn't have to be some humongous move. It could be just a move like that, because just from talking to people there um, and this was kind of the feeling I had going into it. The sense is that they don't have a glue guy, right? And Caruso's like that perfect glue guy. And even last year, right? Like last year, think about it. Now, these guys aren't incredible names, but they did a nice job for them last year. Otto Porter Jr. was really good for them last year. Otto Porter Jr. might have been the best minimum signing in the entire NBA last season. And even a guy like Nemanja Bielitsa played a big role for them. And the other part is this. Veteran guys, you don't have to tell them what to do. The second... Yeah, Gary Payton and, a second also the on, second. A, on right. a minimum. But, right, but those guys were um, guys that they didn't need to tell them how to play the game, right? Like those guys yeah. were veterans. Um, where it feels like now the Warriors have like two teams. They've got the the yeah. veteran guys who've won championships and a bunch of young guys. And Steve is trying to coach two teams at the same time, and it's really hard without having those glue guys. So I do like it for them. Although I know Joe Lacob, according and re- this has been reported, you know, everywhere. You know, he loves Wiseman, right? So, like, would he think of that as selling low, having Caruso? Uh, and then would we also get all the Zabruder film about Steve Kerr allegedly telling Alex Caruso, we'd love to have you or whatever it was that it's he said. It's not alleged. I've heard the video. Be... It's, it's it's on NBA TV. Like, <laughs> by the way, along the lines of Caruso and Gary Payton II and 
glue guy. You know who else um, I was just thinking about for the Warriors, and I've never thought about this guy for them? Josh Hart would be awesome. Oh, yeah. I, I yeah. am a Josh Hart stand. I so love much. Josh Hart. I love – he's, he's one of the few guys you look at and you're like, oh, my God, he's such a winner. But he's never actually won. Right. It doesn't matter. He's such a winner. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. In my head, Josh Hart has won at least eight championships. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember. I'll lo- I'll love I'll love Josh Hart forever because at the time my co-host at Locked On Lakers, Pete, put together a video of all the time that Josh was getting like ignored for high fives. Oh, the high fives! And he, yeah, he tweeted it out and actually like went with the bit. It was great. Um. All right. So if if Brooklyn, so after trading Kyrie Irving, and if and now there's some like conflicting reports as far as what KD's response to this is going to be. But if KD goes to the, you know, Joe Sai and goes to Sean Marks and says, all right, we know where this is heading. Let's go ahead and start this rebuild. Uh, they, you send Kevin Durant to Phoenix for Jay Crowder and Deandre Aiden and all of the picks under the sun. Um, and, and my, my kind of tinfoil theory on why Kyrie isn't the sun right now is because, I think they wanted to make sure that Phoenix had as many assets as possible in the event that Kevin Durant does ask out and he already wanted to go to, to Phoenix before. So oh. this just kind of works naturally. Listen, it's not tinfoil to me and Evan will appreciate this. I can go way back to, um, I want to say 2003. Okay. Lamar Odom and Elton brand are free agents with the Los Angeles Clippers. And there are people that felt that, the original deal that Pat Riley made, he originally signed Elton Brand to an offer sheet as a restricted free agent. And that tied up the Clippers situation. Um, And people felt that they did that as a ruse because the guy they really wanted was Lamar Odom and ended up getting Lamar Odom. Because if you look at it historically, when Lamar Odom was drafted, Pat Riley was going to trade PJ Brown for him. Like he wanted Lamar Odom from day one. He thought he was magic Johnson. So I I don't think that's tinfoil. I actually think that there could be some merit to that, that the Suns and James Jones, who obviously played with Kyrie, um, understands what that kind of undertaking is. Um, Maybe thinking three-dimensional chess. I've known James a long time. Nothing like that would surprise me. So I don't think it's tinfoil. What do you think, Evan? Well, I agree. But I think, Anthony, if you're opening up the can of worms with the Durant stuff, which I'm all in on, can I throw out a Denver one? Sure. Porter, Porter Jr., Bones Highland, mm-hmm. Christian Brown, uh, Zeke Naji, and then picks. Yeah. Well, that's that's what I'm talking about. Like the keeping the the powder dry on MPJ for for them. You know, we were talking about because he is the kind of guy that you could see one of those elite wings going for. Right. He has that kind of skill set, and I I just I I think I have some friends who cover Denver and 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 know kind of the ins and outs of them pretty well. And uh, when they talk about the kinds of deals that Denver would consider moving MPJ in, it's this kind of deal. It's this exact kind of deal. Just keeping him on their books for as long as it takes for somebody to convince themselves he's 6'10", he shoots the ball, like his his shot is insanely pure, all of these things. Um, he just can't stay healthy. And 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 I think, yeah, I, I'm if KD goes to Denver, it's over for the next like half decade. I don't know yeah, how you even try to guard them. Anthony, you're, you're right, because a lot of people are saying, oh, if you're like Zach Lowe, who's amazing on ESPN, well, obviously George has been on his pod many times. He's always he's been saying, I just want the Grizzlies to go all in. And I get it. But like, why are we also not saying that about the Nuggets? And I yes. have my questions about the Nuggets. I don't know, George, if you did this game, but that game a couple of weeks ago or a week or so ago against the Sixers really bothered me. Because Embiid pummeled Jokic down the stretch. Yeah. And Jokic mm-hmm. was guarded by P.J. Tucker, who I love and is phenomenal. But you don't need to work that hard if you're Jokic to shoot over him, and he refused to shoot. There was an unselfish, like unselfish to a fault part of Jokic's game, I mm. thought, down the stretch, that when I suggested the Rosen or Durant, it's actually for a flaw, I think, with the Nuggets, because Murray, to me, is not necessarily that guy. He could be. He was in the bubble a little bit. But like I think they need a little bit more of a killer down the stretch. Yeah, and- Murray likes that role, though. Murray likes that role to be the killer, and he's done fairly well for them in that role. But to your point, I mean, if Kevin Durant's on the team, then that's just gravy, you know? Right, right, of course. But I think that that's a team that I would look at. Like, I don't get the, hey, the Kings should go all in. No, they shouldn't. They should just, like, be happy with what's going on, yes. develop their Keep young. Keep lighting the beam. 
Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Murray right now. Like, just let this thing develop. I wouldn't trade Harrison Barnes either, for that matter. I try to re-sign him for the next however many years on a lower deal when his deal expires at the end of the season. And if you have to move him to the bench, move him to the bench, whatever it may be. But I think Denver's a team that I would look at with Durant. I mean, I was playing around with something absurd today. I mean, are we sure the Warriors won't make a call? I, oh, I'm we not, know they would. I, I'm not unsure. I, I would say that. I mean, <laughs> I, I I don't know if they're going to make wants a move, to. But, but they should at least kick the tires. Why not? I'm saying on Durant specifically. Yes, I, yes, I know. Yeah. Yes. Like, I was already thinking three-way deal getting Draymond to the Heat. But I just – I think they would need to – I think there would need to be a three-way deal because the value – from Moody has dropped so much and yeah. Wiseman has dropped so much yeah. that like before the season, I think there was intrigue with both of them. Now there's none. Yeah. Right. But, and I don't, I don't think they'd want to give up Wiggins. I think they'd rather give up Draymond than Wiggins right now. Yeah. Well, I, I think that, you know, I, I think it would be just hilarious. The idea of Draymond Green, the guy who kind of sort of pushed KD out the door the first time being pushed out the door to welcome Katie back. <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> that's that's yeah. the kind of stuff that I I live for. No, I, I think it was reported that Lacob wanted to trade for Kevin Durant back when he made his initial yeah. request yeah. and that Bob Myers was the one. And Steve Kerr actually said, man, we, we watched that movie already. We just won a championship without him. And, and they kind of pushed back on it. If it if he becomes available again, given the season that they're having, I'd be shocked if they didn't make that call. Hell, the Raptors were reluctant to trade Scotty Barnes for for Kevin Durant before, and I think they would they would like a redo if yeah. they get that opportunity again. So, uh, yeah, I, I the that's a that's the only thing that I, I've remained kind of confused on with Brooklyn's uh, you know approach of staying good now is you're not going to stay good. They've lost James Harden. And they've lost Kyrie Irving in consecutive seasons. You're not going to continue to stay at that level where you can continue to hope to uh, compete in a way that keeps Kevin Durant happy. So you know a rebuild is coming. And that was the only reason that I would have thought that getting the Lakers two picks would have been a better approach. But I'm obviously biased on that front. If if they do wind up trading Kevin Durant, though, uh, it, it would just kind of look like, all right, so you 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 stayed, you remained competitive for the sake of remaining competitive for like half an hour. And then you began your rebuild anyway. I, it would be, it would be, it wouldn't be very consistent, but I, I think it's going to happen regardless. What about Bradley Beal? I mean, the, oh, the, come on. I'm just tired of Bradley Beal at okay. this point. Right. Only because, was... only because he's never going to want out of Washington. It seems like it could happen. We're not talking about it as much. It's a little I hope so. Joke. I mean, I'd like to see him on another team, but I I'm with, I'm with Anthony. He is this generation's Joe Johnson. And when Joe Johnson was finally dealt, it was much later in his career. Uh, okay. I, Go ahead, Anthony. Sorry. Well, I was going to say on, on the Beal front, um, the worst thing that they did was go on that like five or six game winning streak because they started convincing ownership that, Hey, maybe just maybe they could be a playoff team. And, and that's kind of their goal. Their goal doesn't necessarily always seem to be championship. Yeah. Their goal seems to be more a playoff round here or there, maybe a few playoff home games to get that revenue. in. Um, and Beal is kind of the perfect star to keep you at that playoff level. Yeah. Um, okay. A couple more. DeAndre Ayton has been brought up and he uh, also has to approve a trade. Yeah. I still don't get, I, I know he has his moments with Monty Williams. I think that that relationship is obviously terrible. I actually, I somewhat, and I love Monty Williams. I somewhat got to put it on him. Like you're the grown up. Ayton is the player in that spot. Like, and he's not necessarily as mature as some of the other players on that team. Like you go the whole summer without talking. That's on the manager, the coach in this spot, obviously. Aiton, when everybody talks about them trading eight and not getting a center back, I get confused by that. What do you think about Aiton potentially going somewhere? Um, I think it would have to be in a big move, like a Durant type situation. But I think that that's what they're holding out for. It's why they re-signed him. Um, I don't think that he's by any stretch in their long-term plans. Um, I think they think that they can go small enough. Like they've had some you know, modicum of success with like Biombo at center for a few minutes, and then they just go small anyway. Um, so I think it just depends on what the rest of the roster looks like. Uh, Cause you know, Aiton missed some games and, and Biombo, you know, filled in okay in those spots for whatever it was, 15 or 20 minutes that he played. Yeah. I, the, the thing with Aiton that, 
that is really kind of a bummer. And I think this is like, I think, I think coaching deserves some, some credit or, or blame here. Um, but I actually think it's an organizational failure where he did the things that helped them win and was up for a contract extension and, you know, rewarding him for being a winning player. And then I think it, the message that you're, you're inherently giving to that guy at that point is, uh, Hey, the actual way to get the max contract is to be a superstar. And that's back to the basket moves. That's having the ball go through your hands at the high post. That's doing all of these things that they didn't need from him. And so for, for his sake, he's probably saying, all right, well, I got this level of contract for playing on a winner and playing winning basketball team on a, you know, in playing my role in it. Now I, I just, I, I want, I need to move on and play in a role that gets me max money. And uh, I think from that moment forward, that that relationship was, was always shot. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I would also say, though, having been around them a lot this season uh, already, um, I think that he his his hustle or lack thereof is a problem at times. Um, mm -hmm. I think he was like 58th in rebounding rate at one. Then eventually, he, then he picked it up and he started to play much better after the first 20 games of the season or so. But it it I think the fact that there's this constant battle of motivation, I think that kind of probably drives them insane. Um, mm. So I, I think that I just think that the ship has sailed. Right. And I think that now they, they do need to just part ways. And it's just a matter of time. It's more if uh, or when rather than if. So, all right. Do we have one more? Or are we done? One more to blow your mind as we leave. OK. Who says no? Dame Lillard for Trey Young. Portland. Yeah, I would say Portland. I don't, yeah. Trey Young's value is really down around the league. He's he's gotten he's on the verge of having his second coach fired. He's had a GM fired already, kind of on his watch. Um, the the stuff that you hear about his work ethic on on defense and his attentiveness in uh, film rooms when he's told about his effort on defense doesn't sound exactly uh, great. And and if you're trading Dame, you have to like you're trading the best player in your franchise's history. Yeah. Uh, he has to demand a trade if you're going to move him. And if you're going to move him, it can't be for Dame Light, <laughs> a worse Dame. <laughs> right. And uh, someone who, to your point, does, you know, doesn't exemplify the or exude the professionalism, perhaps. That, that makes that Dame, Dame. Right. That makes him him as well. Um, you know, and and look, I don't know that situation in Atlanta. And I'm sure that there's more than one person potentially at fault there because a lot of stuff sometimes gets funneled like it's only the player's fault. There could be multiple layers there. And if I had to guess, uh, based on cursory conversations I've had with people that know more about that, there seems to be more uh, than just oh, yeah, the player issue there. Um, so I, I I would just say, though, yeah, if you're Portland, you're trading him away. It's for um, a better player, probably, and obviously a bleep ton of picks. You know what I mean? Like, there's. If that. you look at those situations, like neither of them are going anywhere anytime soon. Like Trey Young actually should be going somewhere with that roster, in my opinion, but neither of them are going anywhere. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, this has been fun. For those that uh, tuned in, if you want more of this, make sure you check out the SBNLA YouTube page. Smash the like button if you want the audio accompaniment, because for some reason, I don't know, you're just kind of scrolling along and you had to. Uh, you want to listen to it in its entirety, you can do that on the Sedano and Cap podcast feed wherever you get your podcast. Evan Cohen, Anthony Irwin, thank you guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Anytime.